The following is a pre-recorded program. Well, I've read the Bible, and then I've looked at the contemporary church in America, and it makes me wonder, who changed things? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, this is a very special broadcast today on The Line of Fire. This is the day I leave for a ministry trip to Poland. Please do pray that God will be with me that the fires of revival will be ignited in the hearts of believers there, that they'll really encounter God afresh, encounter his word, encounter his truth, encounter his spirit, and be changed in a lasting way, that God would hear their cry and honor the hunger of their hearts. Thank you so much. I'm doing something I rarely do on the line of fire, but we're going to do it today and then on Monday. We're taking you into a service where I preached a message, one from just oh less than two weeks ago, at the Light the Fire Again conference in Pensacola, Florida. The one we'll, we'll get you into on Monday is the one I preached at the Light the Fire Again conference in Pensacola in 2019, so almost exactly three years earlier. Today's message, which will break up over the course of the rest of this broadcast, asks the simple question, who changed things? If, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, meaning that the Bible is your ultimate authority, then no later prophetic word, let's say you're charismatic, no later prophetic word can change what's written. No church tradition can change what's written. No additional holy book can be produced to change what's written. So we see what's written in the word. We see the standards of God. We see what he's spoken. We see what he's called us to. We see what he's promised. We see who he is in our midst. And then you look around a lot at the situation we're in and you, Say, well, who changed that? Where did that get changed? Where did that get altered? Where did we exchange the biblical gospel for this contemporary American version? So I want to take you into this message, whether you're charismatic, non-charismatic. I believe this will speak to you clearly. And may the Holy Spirit bring these words to bear with power, with force, with truth that we may be changed into God's nature, God's uh, that we may conform to God's plan and God's will rather than unconsciously try to bring his standards down to ours. I'll say this last thing, then we take you into the message. Maybe there are things that God has spoken that seem out of reach, that seem impossible, that seem too high, that seem too lofty, that seem impossible. Our tendency is to kind of rationalize or somehow bring them down to where we are instead of say, Lord, if you said it as difficult as it is, as impossible as if you said it, I'm going to believe you and you alone, right? We take you into the message, who changed things? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, your people have come here hungry, thirsty. They've been in meetings day and night. They've been pouring out their heart to you. They've been worshiping you. They've been crying out to you. We come to the last day now, and I ask you to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Open our hearts, speak to us, touch us, so we can go and touch the world around us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. 
It's another time of crisis in Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse one. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hatzitzon Tamar, that is Ein Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Now look at this. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Oh, what a line. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Title of my message is very simple. We need God. America is sicker than we realize. The church of America is sicker than we realize. There is no band-aid solution that will turn the tide. There is no political solution that will turn the tide. There is no new special method or strategy that will turn the tide. We need God. I just want to emphasize to you how far things have fallen in America. It's not gloom and doom because I deeply believe we will see a massive wave of revival in America. I deeply believe that we will see a gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in America. I am convinced that we are in the early stages of a pushback against the insanity of the society and that hunger and desperation are rising. But if we're gonna see a breakthrough, we have to realize how dire the needs are. You know, for many years, my, my weight was going higher, higher, back and forth, higher. And when my wife Nancy would just point it out, for my health's sake, and I'm active running, pushing, I tell her, it's, it's all right, I have a plan. And then every year, a little more weight would come on. One day she said to me, your plan is not working. It took me years before I accepted it. But August of 2014, I sat down with her August 23rd and said to her, my plan is not working. 
And then she said, okay, from here on, she said, not another, no food passes through your lips without my approval. I am taking over your diet. But I knew I had to do something radical. And I went in less than eight months from 275 pounds to 180 pounds, and I've never looked back. I've become a new man. But the point is, oh, and think of this. Think of having maybe three headaches a week, not having a headache in eight years. And that's just one thing of an endless line of, of health breakthroughs. But it took me coming to the end of myself and recognizing my plan is not working. To the Church of America, we can shout, your plan is not working. Because things are getting darker, not brighter. And rather than the church changing the world, the world has changed the church. So I, I just want to focus on one little area of, of society just to give a glimpse of how dark things have gotten to underscore our need for God. Uh, check out this, this picture. Just want you to look at this picture. Those are two of our government officials, two men at an official event with the French ambassador earlier this year. The, the man on the right is Richard Levine, known as Rachel Levine, who is, is in the Department of Health and Human Services, identifies as a woman. If you, if you tweet, if you send out a message, Richard Levine is a biological male, you'll be banned from Twitter. Next to Richard Levine is Sam Britton, who is a gender fluid, drag queen guy, that is another man. These are government officials. He's in the Department of Nuclear Waste. This is some of the madness of our society. This is how unhinged things, things become. May God touch them and save them. I'm sure there are many good qualities they have, but these are people who need Jesus. Oh, okay, here's another picture. Just the madness of today's society. Drag queen reading hour for toddlers in libraries. Endorsed enthusiastically by the American Library Association. Happening in city after city. Even now it's becoming more and more common for drag queens to perform in churches. May God save these people, deliver them, make them whole. But this is the madness of the hour. I, I want to show you three short video clips just to underscore how far things have gone and to remind us that we have no earthly solution. This is not a headache. This is not toothache. This is a spiritual cancer that is terminal without divine intervention. I'm not attacking people. I'm saying this is the work of the enemy to destroy. I hosted a documentary for the American Family Association, American Family Studios, called In His Image. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Just search for In His Image, the movie. You can watch it for free. But this is part of the introduction where we talk about what has happened in society. Check this out. If you want to be a drag queen and your parents don't let you, you need new parents. I'm a man. My ID say female needs to be a rule. Know your pronoun. Know your pronoun. It is man. 
L-G-G-B-D-T-T-T-I-Q-Q. My two mom. The hips on the drag can go swish, swish, swish. The issues are unavoidable. They're on the news. I did not have a chance to comment on how good the White House looked in rainbow colors. They're in our legislation. The Texas bathroom bill. In our schools. Drag queen story hour. Our entertainment, our social media, they're even reaching into our churches. Let us be the church together. They're causing families to question everything they thought they knew. I was being asked to choose my child in the church. I chose my child. And they're pushing everyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ to wrestle with the question, what does God think about us? All right, friends, we will be right back on the other side of the break and take you back into this message. Let's be two weeks ago in Pensacola, Florida, at the Light the Fire Again Conference. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Michael Brown here. We're taking you into a message that I preached in Pensacola just well, less than two weeks ago at the Light the Fire Again conference. The title of the message, Who Changed Things? Last year, he did another poll and asked these questions. And if you're in my generation, baby boomers, 2.8% of baby boomers alive today, so last year, 2.8% identified as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Those are the previous generation, traditionalists, it was 0.8%, so less than 1%. When you get to Gen Z, so these were young people 18 to 23, 21% of them identified as somewhere in the LGBTQ spectrum. When George Barna did a similar poll last year, he found it was 40%. While the older generation may be grieved, the younger generation has just been swept in. In fact, it's gotten to the point, because gay is good and gay is to be celebrated, if gay is good, then the church is bad. Young people drop out all the time because we're hateful, because we're bigoted. And I get the calls because our ministry has been called to address these things since 2004. We've been shouting since 2004. And when people were saying to me, Mike, why are you, why are you talking about this? Praise God you were delivered, but let me preach. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. But let me preach. Thank you. So... As ushers, if you don't mind, we rejoice with you, but let me preach. Thank you. So, I thought it was a heckler. That's a good one, praise God. That's, that's a good story. I'm used to the hecklers. That's a good story. We rejoice with you, sister. But when I was shouting about these things starting in 2004, I had friends saying to me, why are you dealing with it? Mike, why are you wasting your time with this? Dr. Brown, why are you getting into these subjects? It's, it's a distraction. And I said, I feel like an umbrella salesman in the desert. And people are saying to me, why are you building all these warehouses with more, more and more umbrellas and all this? I said, because the storm's coming. And for years, we haven't been able to make the umbrellas fast enough. Because we get the calls from the distraught parents. We hear from the people whose 16-year-old daughter's about to have sex change surgery and the parents don't know what to do. 
I talked to the, the, the brother in Canada who actually was sent to jail because he dared to say that his daughter was his daughter and, and, and call her by who she was, female. Goes to jail over these things. It actually happened. Or how, how about what's happening in children's schools? Check out this video from a, a preschool teacher who identifies as NB, non-binary. This has been my first year in preschool with a class of my own, teaching alongside another queer neurodivergent educator, and we have been rocking our two's class. We've been talking about gender and skin color and consent and empathy and our bodies and autonomy. It's been fabulous. But our teaching team is shifting and a new person is being onboarded, someone with many years of experience. So today at the lunch table, when the topic of gender and genitals came up, one of our students plainly looked up and said, well, I'm a girl today, but I know that teacher Ko isn't. No, they're Envy. And the look on the incoming teacher's face was priceless. She was shocked in a good way. And she just looked around at the two of us and said, this class is incredible and I am so impressed. That's what you call child abuse. And it's happening in our schools around America and has been happening for years, but parents just didn't know it. May God have mercy on that woman and save her and deliver her. But how do you just fix that? What political program's gonna fix that? This is deeply ingrained in our society. Okay, one last illustration, just to emphasize the point that we need divine intervention. Watch this mom with her little kid going through the Gay BC book. Check it out. E is for bye. C is for coming out. D is for drag. E is for equality. F is for family. Uh-oh, we missed a page. G is for gay. H is for hope. I is for intersects. J is for joy. K is for kiki. L is for lesbian. M is for Martin. N is for non-binary. O is for orientation. He is for Paris. He is for I don't know what to do. That's okay. He is for queer. Queer. R is for Equat. S is for Sashay. Sashay. He is for Paris. U is for Unique. V is for Rogue. Yeah, you do? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay, turn it page. W is for... Wonder. X is for... X. Mm -hmm. Y is for... You. And Z is for... 
Zest. Zest. E N. E N. What was the name of this book? The Gay B C's. <laughs> you like this book? Yes. Are you a woke toddler? Yes. Can you say I'm woke? I'm woke. <laughs> so there's a loving mother educating her kid to be broad-minded and loving. How do you fix that? Who do you elect to office that fixes that? What new church program fixes that? We need a divine invasion in our country. We need an awakening the likes of which we've never seen before. And remember, that's a mom thinking she's doing a good thing. That's a mom spending quality time with the toddler. Is it any wonder that so many kids are confused now? Is it any wonder that so many are identifying as all kinds of odd things? You say, well, it's good we have at least, you know, conservative news like, like Fox. Well, just I want to point something out. Look at this. Bruce Jenner has recently been hired by Fox. Quote, Caitlin. So this is the CEO of Fox. Caitlin's story is an inspiration to us all. She is a trailblazer in the LGBTQ plus community, and her illustrious career spans a variety of fields that will be a tremendous asset for our audience. What's the point? Conservative news is not going to do it, because conservative news is compromised also. It's the church. It's the church. It's the people of God coming alive. That's where the change is going to come. Yes, I prefer certain stations to others. Yes, I think there are certain good things that are coming out. But it's, it's of the world, and the world can't change the world. I, I, my morals, my, my political voting, it agrees with the right, but my identification is not on the right or on and the conservatives. My identification is in Jesus. My identification is in this world, but not of it. I've said for many years, my great concern is not the presence of darkness, it's the absence of light. When you go into a dark room and flip the light switch on and nothing happens, you don't get mad at the darkness, you say, what's wrong with the light? One of my colleagues, Christian leader, well involved in politics, meets with major political leaders. He said, instead of MAGA, make America great again, he said, how about MAGA, make America godly again? I said, how about, we add one letter, how about make the Church of America godly again? That's the key. Uh, unfortunately, we have got caught up in leaning on the flesh. Now, now, now please, please hear me. I know it's the last day of the conference. I know people are up, and you've been charged, and you've been encouraged, and you've encountered God afresh. And for many of you, you received a fresh touch of God, and it's real, and you're going to go back home burning bright. That's what happened to many young people that were here. We, we know them from our, some of our church communities that came down three years ago for Light the Fire Again. And an outpouring fell that for, for a good number of weeks, the Holy Spirit was falling. These kids were getting filled with the Spirit. God was working. And that, I believe that will happen with others here. But I gotta be honest, I gotta tell the truth. You know, when the doctor gives you a bad report, but to tell you we can fix this, better that he's honest. So let me step back for a moment. The battles that we have been facing in America are massive. 
And the differences between political parties have been massive. And, and one party so strongly, and, and president, we're gonna fight for pro-life, and the other on the other side. One for our religious liberties, the other against it. One, one's for family and marriage, and the other for radical trans and gay extremism. And on and on it goes. And, and, and the battles were so great, and the differences so deep, that in the midst of us working these things through, we got caught up in the political fever. All right, we will take a brief break and we will come right back for the rest of this message. Friends, if you don't get my newsletters, if you don't get my email updates, if you're not aware of our latest articles, latest videos, things that we are putting forward to equip you as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity, go to the website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org and sign up today. We have so many resources to help you, to equip you. Be sure to take advantage of them. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. Let us resume this message preached in Pensacola, Florida, less than two weeks ago. Who changed things? May the Lord speak to your heart as you listen, as you watch. Rather than bringing the kingdom of God into politics, we got dragged down. I'm just being honest. And we got pulled into the point of mass deception. Please hear me. I'm only speaking the truth because I care and I love you. I watch ministers of the gospel, friends of mine, and their social media pages look like right-wing political attack pages. And to this day, I'll, I'll be looking at you know, a friend's page or something, and it just will come up in my feed, and here's a, a you know, beautiful scripture verse, here's my favorite verse, or here's something the Lord really taught me in, in ministry, or here's one of my favorite worship songs, and then the next thing is a meme of President Biden making fun of his senility. I'm thinking, if you want to post something as a call for prayer, do that. If you want to say this is grievous to see, do that. And you have on the others, you know, other perspective, and there's some meme mocking President Trump for being fat. I'm thinking, are we, are we babies? Have we lost our mind? And, and then it seemed that the dividing point in the church was not, what do you think about Jesus, but what do you think about Trump? I voted for him twice, but that's not the issue. I, th I remember thinking, I thought it was all about Jesus. Yeah. Is it possible that we could differ politically and unite around Jesus? Yeah. Not recently, no. I, I, I interacted with colleagues who were solid ministry people, and they tell me, Mike, I'm telling you, Biden is about to be removed. The military is about to take over. Biden is about to be removed. Trump is about to be reinstated. I said to him, that's QAnon conspiracy. It's, it's a myth. He goes, no, no, I have insider information. I've never heard of QAnon. I said, every point, and he lists all these points, every point you just made is QAnon conspiracy. Oh, no. And the moment I'd say this publicly, we got blasted. 
When I began to address, listen, the prophecies were not true. All of you who guaranteed that Trump would have eight years in the White House, consecutive, unbroken, it did not happen. You were wrong. The moment I addressed that and addressed QAnon conspiracies, overnight we lost like 10,000 followers. I mean, it's not a big, I don't care, let the whole world turn against me, that's not the issue. But, but the level of people, outrage, how dare you touch this? Even now you can feel a little tension in the room. <laughs> I, I watched Christian leaders, people I know, godly people. I, I watched them on live stream calling down curses using the Bible to call down curses on those who allegedly stole the election. I think, didn't Jesus say, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you? What, what happened to us? Have we lost our minds? So, so here are some, and that's why I wrote with real deep burden, that's why I wrote The Political Seduction of the Church. Let, let me give you some signs. Let me give you some signs that political seduction has swept in. When, when we're more concerned with winning the elections than winning the lost. Listen, I never saw so much prayer in my life at the time of the elections, before and after. I, if we had prayed for revival like that, America would be ablaze. Everyone that put up political signs and wore hats and all that, fine, be involved. But they better know you better and more as a follower of Jesus than a supporter of a candidate. I talked to a pastor in New York City. He said he lost roughly 500 people in his church, mainly young people. Why? Because they were so turned off by the church being associated with a political leader. Be involved, yes, be involved. If the church was more involved, America would also look different. If, if we voted more, if we understood more, if we got involved in our school boards and, and different things like that, get involved, be involved, but bring change to the system instead of being polluted by the system. Signs of political seduction. When we wrap the gospel in the American flag, when we equate our country with the kingdom of God, when we confuse partisanship with spirituality or patriotism with spirituality. You can be a Jesus-loving patriot. You can really love God and love country. Amen, so be it. Some of you have fought for our country. We appreciate it, but there's a difference between patriotism and spirituality. Signs of political seduction. When we compromise our ethics to keep our party or leader in power. I mean, for years we're shouting, we are the values voters. Morality matters, character counts. And people say, what about this time? We say, oh no, no, but it's different now because the stakes are higher. When our church or denomination or ministry becomes an appendage of a political party, we belong to God's party and then different parties may get our votes or our support, but we are first and foremost accountable to a different party. When we put more trust in earthly methods than in spiritual methods. When we make our political party the party of God and the other the party of Satan. 
oh, listen, I voted one way with one party for years, but I do not mistake the Republican Party for the party of God. And there's the same corruption and the same compromise and people who don't share our values. And by the way, even though I haven't voted Democrat in ages, I don't know if I ever did, there, there, are, there are good moral people. Uh, oh, hang on. I was going to get me in big trouble. They're actually Christians who are Democrats. They're actually, and some are trying to work to bring about positive change. Boy, I crossed a bad line there. We, we become as vulgar and rude as the candidates we follow. I've seen now, if you're not nasty, if you don't bash others, if you don't say some insulting word, you're not strong. Well, Dr. Brown, it's just you're weak. No, it takes a lot more courage to walk in grace and to walk in love towards your enemies than to get in the flesh. Someone told me online the other day, yeah, well, Jesus rebuked the hypocrites. Yeah, and he died for them also. And he rebuked them because he loved them. We get nasty because we're carnal and immature. I like the Jesus who overthrew the money tables. Well, Jesus didn't say, you go and overthrow the money tables. He said, you turn the other cheek. Oh, sorry, that's not a popular verse these days. We'll have to rewrite the Sermon on the Mount. When we look to the White House more than to God's house, when we make a human being into a political savior, I don't ever, ever want to hear another Christian say, only Donald Trump can save America. Only Jesus can save America. Come on. What are we thinking? What are we doing? When we make, when we equate loyalty to God, which is unconditional, with loyalty to a party or a political leader, which is conditional or when our prayers and our, our prophecies become partisan. My, my young colleague, Jeremiah Johnson, when, when he repented for, for missing things and the Trump prophecy and admitting that he got caught up in a political spirit, and he repented publicly, he'd, he'd come to me and said, hey, I'm gonna publish this, and I looked at it and gave him some input, and he was just completely humble, and took it, got on his face, even, even shut down the, the big ministry page he had to just kind of start afresh with the focus on where he wanted it to be. And the backlash that he got for repenting, for saying I was wrong, for saying it's important for prophets also to be submitted to other leaders. He called me, he said, Dr. Brown, and this is all public, I'm not revealing a secret. He said, Dr. Brown, people are canceling their, their email subscriptions. They're asking us to stop sending them email. The, the company that, that carries us, they said they're coming in so quickly it crashed our server. You never had that happen. Never had that happen. He told me not only were people saying we're no longer supporting you, monthly supporters for years, they said, we want our money back. Think of that. They write to them, we want the money we gave you in the past. We want it back. Why? Because you dared to say you were wrong. I mean, I've seen since then prophets saying, and they've got big Facebook followings. 
thousands and thousands saying amen, and they're still respected as prophetic leaders. I've seen a vision, it's all in the, it's all in the political seduction book. I have two whole chapters on this. It's saying that Trump is now sitting enthroned in heaven with a golden crown, ruling and reigning, and he's the legitimate president. This is madness, madness. And, and, and please hear me, the world has been watching. I did interviews with like New York Times asking about this. I said, it's the worst deception I've ever seen in my life. But we don't even want to deal with it. We just want to skip on to the next prophetic conference. That's madness. That's deception. We need God. Here in our midst, the church, the charismatic Pentecostal church, you see, the, 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 the fate of America is not dependent on the elections, although the elections are very important. Although there could be a real threat to our liberties. Although things are in a, a very, very dangerous position. Within the, the last month or two, one colleague, one brother I know, had his YouTube channel shut down. Over 500,000 subscribers, boom, gone. Another one, over 200,000 subscribers. Boom, gone. It, it's precarious. There's a lot that's happening that is reason for concern, so we should be involved and we should be informed and we should vote, but all that is is just putting a thumb in a hole in the dam, and the whole dam is ready to come down, and the only hope is revival in the church. All right. We've got one segment left. I pray that the Lord is ministering to you. If this message is resonating with your heart, you're like, yes, yes, I always knew that, I always believed that, I always felt that way. Wonderful. Be assured that you are not alone. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, this is our last segment in the message, Who Changed Things? Michael Brown, this is the day I leave for Poland. We've pre-recorded today's broadcast. We've got some special programming I think you'll really be blessed by for tomorrow and Friday on Monday. So days as I'll be traveling, and ministering. Once again, I covet your prayers that God would move in Poland as I preach. In fact, I may, one of these days in Poland, preach this very same theme. We shall see, right, the last segment of Who Changed Things. The Great Commission, winning the lost, making disciples, and awakening in society, that's the only thing that will stop the death process in America. I just want to go so, through something really quick. The problem has been for so many years in America, and I've been shouting this for decades. Go back to books I wrote in 89 and 90, End of the American Gospel Enterprise, and How Saved Are We? Whatever Happened to the Power of God in 91? These are things I've been shouting for years and others for years before me. The compromised, deficient gospel that we've preached. The what's in it for me gospel. I, I just wanna run through this quickly. The contrast between the contemporary American gospel and the biblical gospel, because this is where so much of the problem starts. We haven't been preaching the truth, so we haven't been seeing true and radical converts. Oh, thank God for where he is moving. 
I get to minister in healthy churches all over America that are growing and young people are getting touched and the Spirit's moving. But across the nation, it's been more backsliding, apostasy, compromise. There's a reason. Put it like this, I'm a whole lot healthier today eating big salads than I was eating peanut and M&Ms. It's the same spiritually, you get my point. The biblical gospel starts with God. The American gospel starts with me. The biblical gospel focuses on the cross. The American gospel bypasses the cross. The biblical gospel calls for repentance and transformation. The American gospel offers enhancement and self-improvement. The biblical gospel points to our need for a savior. The American gospel turns Jesus into a glorified life coach. I, I, I remember one day flipping on TV and there was a guy speaking. I couldn't tell if he was a life coach like Tony Robbins, you know, when he was encouraging, you know, you can better, better your life, or a real estate salesman, or a preacher. I wasn't sure. The biblical gospel calls us to crucify our flesh. The American gospel caters to the flesh. Biblical gospel says that as fallen human beings, we are wretches in need, of, in need of God's amazing grace. The American gospel says that we are amazing and that God would be honored to get to know us. We've gone from amazing grace to amazing sinners, it's true. The biblical gospel holds us accountable to God. The American gospel holds God accountable to us. The biblical gospel says this is who God is, this is how he feels, and we are here to please him. The American gospel says, this is who I am, this is how I feel, and God is here to please me. Over 70 years ago, A.W. Tozer wrote his famous article on the old cross and the new. In it, he explained, the new cross does not slay the sinner, it redirects him. It gears him into a cleaner and jollier way of living and saves his self-respect. The modern cross goes one step further. It does not redirect the sinner, it empowers the sinner. Come to Jesus and become a bigger and better you. The biblical gospel pronounces us guilty before God, worthy of eternal judgment. The American gospel rejects such talk as religious and condemning. One must never make the sinner feel bad is the unspoken rule. John Newton, the former slave trader and author of the hymn Amazing Grace, also wrote these words. Describing his conversion experience, my conscience felt and owned its guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. The American gospel cannot relate to any of this. The lost sinner should not feel guilty, only affirmed. There should be no despair, only encouragement. And it was not our sins that nailed Jesus to the cross as much as the affirmation of our worth. With preaching like this, no wonder we've had so many shallow and false converts in recent decades. The contemporary American Jesus doesn't save us, he enhances us. He is the convenient, pain-free, always available additive that makes life go better. That's why the American gospel cannot cure the patient and fails to recognize he's terminally ill. We need God. Back to the basics. Back to repentance, back to prayer, back to fasting, back to the cross, back to exalting Jesus. Back to sacrificial love for a lost world around us. Back to overcoming evil with good, overcoming hatred with love. 
Back to letting our good deeds, along with the power of the Spirit, demonstrate the truth of the gospel. Back to the Great Commission, winning the lost, making disciples. Back to seeking God day and night until the fire falls, until we are turned into blazing torches ourselves and the whole nation is burning with the fire of God. The bad news is things are really bad. The good news is God is really good. And if we will offer ourselves afresh, here I am, send me, here I am, use me, here I am, change me. Show me where I need to repent. Show me where I've left my first love. If it starts in us, who knows where it could spread? And America is so messed up. Look at it this way, and I'm gonna close here. It's, it's like the guy who was a shoe salesman sent over to a new country, an impoverished country. His company said, we, we wanna flood the market with shoes that the people here need shoes. And the salesman gets over, and he, he calls the company immediately, he says, get me out of here. So what's the matter? said, the people that don't even wear shoes. What were you thinking? So they send that guy home. They send in another salesman in his place. This guy comes in. He instantly calls and says, I, I need boatloads and boatloads of shoes. Nobody here has any shoes. So all the stuff I showed you at the beginning, that's how messed up things are. All the stuff I showed you at the beginning, that means the harvest is ripe. That means people are lost. That means they're looking for answers. And just like in the 60s, in the counterculture revolution, when we were protesting and, and fighting against the Vietnam War and all this stuff and sex, drugs, rock and roll, Eastern religion, so there was a lot of bad, there was a lot of bad. But there was something good because we're saying there must be more. We were looking for justice. So you see the riots in the streets and BLM and Antifa and all this stuff and young people espousing crazy causes. Yeah, there's a lot of bad, but, but they're looking for a kingdom that only God can bring. When they're looking for justice and, and interracial discrimination, there are a lot of good causes. They're going at it the wrong way. We have the answer in the gospel. So stand to your feet with me. We're gonna pray, turn things back to the worship team. But if you just wanna offer your life refresh, here I am, send me, use me. You may have done it five times already this week. Just come on up, offer yourself refresh to God. We'll turn things over to the worship team and then I'll head up can greet you over as we're signing books. Love to see you face to face. Lord, here we are. We confess our sin. We confess our coldness. We confess our compromise. We confess, Lord, that, that we get caught up in the flesh even with good causes. And Lord, we say in ourselves, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. Everyone just lift your voice and let's cry out, God, Touch us. God, move afresh. God, shake the church of America, other nations. Shake, awaken, stir. Do something in our midst we've never seen before. We thank you for the past moves. We thank you for the past outpourings. But we say, God, there must be more. Hear our cry. Our eyes are on you. Here we are. Send us. Use us. Just let that be your cry. Lord, here I am, whatever it takes, whatever the cost, whatever the consequence, homeschooling mom, businessman, evangelist on the streets, whoever you are, here I am, send me, use me. Young people, old people, here I am, send me, use me. Let the repentance begin with me. Let the revival begin with me. Let the awakening begin with me. 
Let's worship the Lord. Stay before him. Thank you, Jesus. All right, friends, that's the message. Once again, my prayer is that the Lord used it to minister to you and speak to you. This has been a challenge I've carried in my own life for decades. Lord, you promised. Lord, you said it. I know sometimes we can read scripture and and see the promises in terms of our own lives and, and, and the holy lives that we can live, the overcoming lives that we can live. And sometimes it feels like it's the exact opposite. We can see promises of divine healing, and it seems our experience is the exact opposite. Or promises of divine protection, and it seems our experiences are the exact opposite. Or promises about the power of the gospel, and it seems our experiences are the exact opposite. What we have to say is, Lord, I'm not going to judge others. I'm not going to be critical of others, but I am going to take you at your word. Truly, my friends, all things are possible to the man, to the woman who puts his or her trust in the living God. With our God, nothing is too difficult. And I believe his vision for the church is glorious. I believe his plan for you and for me is is above and beyond our, our greatest understanding. I believe that God wants to manifest his power through us so that the world may know that he is God, that the world may recognize that Jesus is Lord, that the word may understand that he alone is God as he works through human beings and demonstrates his power and demonstrates his glory then everyone will fall down and worship him and him alone friends my prayer is that Jesus will be highly and wonderfully and gloriously exalted in your life be blessed may the smile of God be upon you and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might we are in this together Another program powered by the Truth Network.